As we speak, the Mets and D-backs are tied 4-4 four to four at the top of the eighth. So the Mets are not losing, but uh, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I'm really glad I have to do the show right now so that I get my attention taken away from the game. There's been enough Mets baseball in the last week, and most of it not good. And we're going to talk about all that because Mets Wrap 360 starts now! You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV! And now, let the buzz begin ah uh, but i've said many many times this is one piece of music that no matter what kind of mood i'm in and usually as a mets fan it's usually a bad mood but it puts me in a good one so uh yeah you know just take it in for a couple seconds you know mets aren't losing at the moment but uh boy has it been a rough week and uh we are going to first welcome you of course to mets rap 360 make sure you follow us on twitter at ABTV Mets, that way you can get all the updates on what we're up to. And of course, me personally, I'm at Christian DMZ. Uh, my friend Melissa Weinstein, away at work. How dare she be working on a weekday afternoon? But she's, as always, at Melissa Wine. In any case, uh, we have a, a special guest joining us via Skype. Now, he won't see us, but all of you watching on YouTube will see him. And those of you just listening on YouTube, well, you'll hear him. So you'll see and hear him if you're watching here on YouTube. But anyway, Chris the Teacher, uh, known well from Sam Roberts' show on Sirius XM. And uh, Chris, welcome to Metrap 360. Hey, Christian. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we were uh, put in touch, as with so many people. Uh, Kevin Undergaro seems to know everyone out there in the free world, and uh, he put a, he connected us and said, you guys should talk, and as it so happens, I host a Mets wrap-up show, and you, in addition to being a regular caller on Sam Roberts' show, are a huge Mets fan. In fact, I believe you're a season ticket holder. Am I correct? You are correct. Three different accounts in three different locations, and I uh, gotta love Kevin Undergaro, the Godfather for all <laughs> not Samsonites out there. Well, yeah, he's of course the Godfather for everything we behold here at AfterBuzz TV as well. And of course, wouldn't be right to not give a shout out to the Godmother, the Godmother uh, Maria Menounos. Now, you actually sent me a couple of things. So for people watching on YouTube, you're gonna see uh, I've got the uh, Matt Harvey gnome, and uh, he's been pitching like a gnome lately. And, uh, of course, the Keith Hernandez bobblehead, which, when you don't live in New York, you see that all these giveaways come up, and it's very upsetting. You're also nice enough to send me the fancy World Series tickets from the two games I went to in 2015. So, Chris, it's the least I can do have you on the show. But uh, thank you for sending all that great stuff. You've made the set look good, and you've made my ticket collection look uh, a little bit better. Because, I don't know about you, but I hate those uh, paper-printed home tickets. I like to accumulate junk, and so much of the junk I have is concert and sporting events tickets from the past oof, 27 years at this point yeah love the tickets tickets are a free keepsake gotta love it especially the uh hard card stock ones yeah. that i sent there uh every lot of parks now as i travel around uh the country to go to different stadiums most going paperless now hate it can't stand it yeah don't like uh, that like the hard like like the hard tickets yeah i think that uh, for not to deviate too much i think for concerts it's a little bit better for uh you know anti-scalper uh, an anti-scalper approach because a lot of times they'll make you swipe with the credit card that was paid for it but you know what i like to have uh, little pieces of paper that remind me where i've been i'm getting older it's not as easy to remember Anyway, uh, Chris, talk a little bit about uh, the work that you do for Metsmerized online, which I'm sure a lot of our audience knows, but uh, talk a little bit about it. 
Yeah, uh, when uh, I feel so inclined, I get to write a piece and uh, it gets put through uh, on Metsmerize. Great website. Uh, you get fantastic analysis. You get real-time breaking news. Um, you get some fan pieces in there, too. Um, so it's a really nice uh, combination for the average fan. I think, in my opinion, uh, one of the better, if not the best, uh, website that's out there. Uh, always quick with the information and um, always some really good spins on things too. Yeah, no, no, it's, uh, you know, I, I visit a few of them, but that's one of the ones I, I definitely like. And one other thing to uh, talk to you about before we dive into, let's admit, what was an awful week of New York Mets baseball. Uh, talk about Fee Free NYC website that uh, you founded, which I guess is a website for Mets tickets, but with no fees as the name implies. Yeah, what it is is it's a bunch of different season ticket holders that come together uh, that sell their tickets off really good locations. Uh, they do not mark up the tickets, so what they pay, you pay. Uh, and I facilitate sort of bringing the buyer and the seller together. Uh, no fees. Um, it's just easier for us as the sellers for games that we can't go to uh, without paying those terrible secondary market fees. And it's great for the buyer, too, uh, because you save about 15 to 20% uh, off not only the box office price, but also the fees on the tickets too. So you can check us out. Uh, there's a link on my Twitter uh, for fee free NYC. I would definitely take a look if you're planning on going to a Met game. If we can't beat the price that you get, we'll tell you because it's not worth our time either. Uh, so check us out. <laughs> well, and I should have mentioned in the intro at the teacher, Chris is actually where people can find you. So at the teacher, Chris, uh, all right, well, in a little bit, we'll talk to you about the trip you took to Milwaukee, which, uh, you know, I've traveled and seen the Mets lose on the road so many times. And uh, it, it's a lot more fun when, you know, they win. But I, living in Los Angeles, I don't even know how many losses I've seen here. I had a friend who lived in Atlanta for oh, like six years. I think he saw the Mets win two games in, in all that time. So, you know, it's rough to, to be at the, you know, to be the visiting team and you're the fan of the visiting team and uh, when you lose. But, uh, you know, it, it comes and goes. There's obviously moments. We've talked on this show about how Melissa and I were at NLDS Game 5 here at Dodger Stadium. And, uh, you know, there's some things that have been known to happen in the parking lot at Dodger Stadium. So we didn't let ourselves celebrate until we got all the way down and into our car. But, uh, you know, you can still have some special moments. But there have not been a lot of special moments in the past week. I guess the the big story to talk about, easiest to start with, is all of the injuries. And, uh, Stephen, in the booth, if you're able to uh, bring up the New York Post cover that I sent in an email to the uh, the show's account. Uh, we'll take a look, and if we don't have it, that's all right. Uh, but uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. But Chris, give us your thoughts when you hear about the litany of injuries that we've gotten as we've gone along uh, throughout the course of the season. Most recently, as Drupal Cabrera, and that was only a couple days after. It really seems like Familia's pretty much gone for the year. I mean, if he comes back in September, why why put him through that again? You know what I mean? Exactly. I think with the injuries, specifically Cabrera, it's, you know, injuries happen to clubs. It just really has a lot to do with the way the Mets handle the injury uh, in terms of possibly um, waiting to put somebody on the DL playing shorthanded. It just seems to be the MO of the club to do that, to mishandle it, because injuries happen. Uh, there's a lot of finger pointing going around about uh, the Mets trainer, and that's really the wrong place to point the finger. Uh, a trainer is a reactive position. Uh, he can't stop injuries from happening. He's going to react. He's going to react to them. He'll be the first one on the scene and try to diagnose them uh, and then send off to a team physician or a doctor. 
but really the finger should be pointed at uh, the strength and conditioning program, both in season and in the off season, how well these kids and these guys and these men are being prepared to play baseball. Because right now, uh, it doesn't seem like they're being prepared as well as they can. Yeah, and- I mean, that's the uh, the practical approach. And, of course, the more emotional approach is the cover that we're showing on YouTube now from the New York Post. Why does God hate the Mets? And, you know, it's times like this you just feel like, yeah. And this will tell you a lot about being a Mets fan. My same friend who used to live in Atlanta, actually my friend John had been on this show in the past, he actually went out and bought that paper because he felt like he should have that cover. That'll tell you so much about Mets fans that we feel like we need to also own the covers insulting us. You know, it's just like, no, it kind of it's kind of fitting that uh, we feel so strongly that God hates us as Mets fans that, uh, you know, let's put it in a nice frame where everyone can see it. And that's all of the other good thing about being a Mets fan. If you are going on the road, you usually get the pity. Uh, of the home team, <laughs> which is really nice. And depend, like I've seen them, uh, Milwaukee was number 26. This is 26 stadium. I've seen the Mets play. Wow. I'll be going, I'll be going to Texas in three weeks for 27 and I'll be out in Seattle in July for number 28. Um, and I've really never had an issue um, with fans. Sometimes in Philly, when the Philly fans were showing up uh, in the late 2000s, 2008, 2009, but now really when the Mets play in Philly, it's sort of just a, 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 a broad home game for them because uh, nobody's really showing up because the Phillies are having a tough time. But, um, you know, I do understand the sort of propensity to be miserable as a Mets fan, <laughs> whether it's the team that picks us and makes us miserable or whether it's we're miserable and go to the Mets. I don't know. I can't I can't put my finger on that. Yeah, and to sort of backtrack to what you're talking about in terms of other fans, you know, for the most part, people like to, it's very good natured, even at Dodger Stadium, you know, when when I've been in the more expensive seats, I suppose. But, you know, the back and forth is fine. It's usually a matter of, you know, don't answer the guy who says something, you know, don't, I was, I was with somebody who was a friend of a friend once and he turned around and he was like, Oh yeah. Like he was like, Oh, we're going to fight about this. I'm like, no, I'm not going to fight about the Mets. Like I'm not getting into that fight at Dodger stadium. You're definitely on your own on this fight because it's just, yeah, go ahead. You could, you know, if you're going to yell, Hey, the Mets suck most days, I'm going to agree with you every once in a while. I get to say, Hey, not today, but, uh, and yeah, I think in general, you know, I mean, I've been to a lot of different ballparks, uh, not always rooting for the Mets in them, but at the same time, people are just there to have fun and they're there to joke around a little bit. Even in Atlanta, people are actually pretty good natured, you know, uh, probably because they got the tickets for free because they couldn't get into a college football game or something. But I agree with you. People, people tend to feel bad for us. And, you know, which when you think about the fact that, you know, it's not like the Mets are the, the Red Sox before 2004, you know, we have the success. We have, the World Series. I, I don't know exactly how old you are, but I was 10 when they won the World Series in 1986. So I got that in at a young age. I didn't really have all that suffering that went before that. I've had, I've had plenty since, but at least you get that in early. You know, you kind of get the notch in your belt, and it's a lot easier to take everything in, you know. And that time period in the mid-'80s when, as you'll, of course, attest to, Chris, everybody in New York was a Mets fan, and no matter what anybody said, nobody was really a Yankee fan. They might go to the games, but they were obviously much more excited about the lineup the Mets had at that point. And, you know, that was the hopes as to what that was going to be this year, but it's actually been the inverse, and the yeah. Yankees are doing much better than they were expected to do, and uh, much the Mets doing way much worse than they were expected yeah. to do. And 
Go ahead. It's tough to be the the little brother, you know, in in any city. You know, I mean, in, in any two city, any city that has two teams, you know, uh, the like the Dodgers and the Angels, and you know, I know that the Rangers and Houston aren't that close, but you know, you kind of there's always sort of like the also ran, you know, the White Sox, all that, you know. So uh, there's there's I think those are the teams that they can identify a little bit more, you know, especially like White Sox fans know the pain, uh, but of course they won the World Series a good decade plus before the Cubs did ending their own drought. But anyway, uh, yeah, look, it's been a really frustrating year, but it's also been a pretty frustrating existence. So I let myself get excited because last year was really a surprise, Chris, that they even made it to that wild card game. The losing it in, in the ninth or the bottom of the eighth, that was of course not the surprise. Uh, it would be the top, obviously, because they were the home team. I'm so yeah. uh, I, I blo- tried to block out so much of that game. In fact, Melissa, who usually sits here with me, she really doesn't like to talk about the wild card game. She gets very upset. But in any case, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that that's not the surprise. You're disappointed, and you know, when I'm at World Series in 2015, when I'm at World Series Game Five, and you know, Harvey comes back out to pitch the ninth. You're so excited. You're caught up in the moment. But then when it all goes to shit, you're not surprised. You know, you're like, well, of course that's what happened. You know, we just we just tried to have a great moment and uh, look where it got us. So and, and that how many years has that been the slogan for the Mets? Of course. Yeah, not, right. It, it finally happened or it's working. It's just 2016. Yeah, but I've seen you post about the fact that they really didn't make improvements to the team in the offseason. I mean, look, it was very important to retain Cespedes. You know, obviously there have been injuries since then, but to start off the season with him was kind of essential. And again, you always think you have this great pitching and the the Mets always have such a great team on paper. (laughs) Well, not always, but the last few years. And then, you know, that paper seems to get crumpled up and go through the washing machine five or six times. And before you know it, even that piece of paper, you can't read very well because the names are so fainted on it. And I'm still watching the game today on May 16th and, and Matt Reynolds is playing the game. I mean, that's just, it's just, it's just the Mets baseball and Kevin Ploiecki, our third catcher is getting the start be it a day after a night day game after a night game. I know, but um, you mentioned the no improvements. Uh, I pulled a very good statistic. Actually, I actually had to go to the microfilm to the local library. I didn't even know they still had that to find that, this was only the second time in franchise history that on opening day, there was not a single new player making their team debut. That's never happened wow. before, except 1974 was the other time. 1973, the Mets won, went to the World Series, um, and the, te- the club doubled down on that team, and it was an absolute tailspin, horrible, cra- crash-and-burn season. It's ironic that that's the only other time that this happened, and this is the exact same thing that's happening again. Yeah, I mean, look, I can understand having made, you know, a a minor adjustment here or there, but I think knowing what you were going to get in David Wright, which is basically knowing what you weren't going to get in David Wright, I think that addressing the, at least an infield position, whether, you know, obviously you had just Dribble Cabrera at shortstop, but to think that Reyes was going to capture lightning in a bottle again for a full season... I don't know. I mean, that that's not even wishful thinking. That's stupid thinking. And I'm talking as someone who people on YouTube can see. I still have the empty bottle of the Cabareus wine that I bought a long time ago. And uh, I, I feel like most days I just want to break it over my head. But, uh, you know, that's what it takes to be a Mets fan. You always feel like you want to break something over your head. And, look, the start that they had to the season – was was all right and then they had a good stretch and really it's just this past week that's been 
the worst stretch in the history of doing this show, you know, to have lost this many games. And, you know, look, it's tied 4-4 in the top of the ninth. My expectation is that they'll just lose this game because that's what happens, you know? And I don't want to be that kind of defeatist. I want to have hope. I want to have you got to believe. But you also got to believe that your team's not going to give up six runs in the bottom of the eighth, and that's what happens, you know? So it's it, it's tough. It's a very tough team to root for. There's individual players I still like. I like a lot of the guys they added last year. I was very hard on his Drupal Cabrera, but, uh, you know, he turned out to be a great player. And Neil Walker was off to a great start. You know, so there's a lot of things to have been excited about, but you just feel like they didn't try, right, Chris? Well, you, you mentioned that it would be irresponsible to think Reyes would capture lightning in a bottle. I also think it was irresponsible for them to think that uh, Walker and Cabrera up the middle, who combined for the most home runs of any second baseman in shorts up in franchise history, that that would happen again. This is a club that was built on the long ball. That had never happened before. Um, who's to think that that would happen again? Uh, they didn't insure first base. They expected Lucas Duda to get it. Uh, they tried Bruce out for one day, um, and he came up with a sore hip, which is a veteran's way of telling you, I'm not doing that. Please don't make me do that. Uh, and then he actually had to do that um, off of a couple of injuries that made them plug him in. Um, and it didn't go too poorly. Um, this is as uh, Granderson singles there in with two outs in the ninth. Um, you know, this is a club who nobody wanted. They didn't want Conforto on the club when they broke with spring training. They made that a point. Injuries happened. Uh, he makes the club, and he's so far the best player. This is a guy who they don't break. Uh, they don't want T.J. Rivera on the club to go north. When T.J. Rivera plays, T.J. Rivera hits. Um, they, this is just a club that wants to play. The veterans, because the money plays. That's just the way it is. They'd rather get nothing out of Curtis Granderson. They'd rather get nothing out of uh, Neil Walker, who's coming on lately, but at $17.5 million, they'd rather have him play than see T.J. Rivera, you know, maybe get go three for five. Yeah, no, and that's the frustration. And look, the Mets aren't the only team that kind of has that approach. If you have a highly paid veteran, they are going to be in the lineup. But at a certain point, it's like, you know, you can't pick up slack at every position. And for the Mets to start off with Granderson, Cespedes, and Bruce in the outfield, I was all right with it. But it was apparent pretty quickly that, you know, why is Conforto not here? And I said this on the show. When he started batting leadoff and he was doing really well in that spot, my expectation was, oh, well, Terry's, of course, going to move him down to like sixth. But... Today, notwithstanding, they kept him in the leadoff spot because he was doing so well. And that's one of those pleasant surprises where they did the thing that made sense. So they're starting to see that Conforto has the kind of potential that we all thought he did. Last year was definitely a lost cause for him. I don't know what that was about. I don't know if there's an injury we didn't know. I don't know if that was all mental. But that's the kind of guy you want to see in there. And he's a younger player. He's going to play with a lot more energy than Curtis Granderson when he's hitting like, you know, a buck 40. So I, I don't know. I don't know what they can do at this point. Not much, you know, I mean, they've kind of made all the moves that they can in terms of calling people up and they're already probably getting pretty close to circling the wagons and just, you know, not adding anyone. But at some point you have to wonder, are they going to think about trading some of their pieces that have value? You know, you want to trade Jay Bruce before the trading deadline. I don't think people are going to be too upset for that because you get something good back for him. But do you think that they would consider trading DeGrom, who at this point is the only good pitcher that they have left? I don't think they move any pitching. I think only yeah. because it's low cost. As Granderson still second here. 
Um, I, I don't think they trade the pitching because it's low cost and that's what they want. They want low cost options with a high upside. Grandy, uh, Grandy's trying to make me look bad by uh, stealing second at, at you know. And it's funny because I always talk about how old he is, but he's like thirty five, which I know for a baseball player is old. But at the same time, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm actually a lot older than him, and I do have the hip injuries like uh, like Jay Bruce. I I'm playing with a sore hip today. But anyway, you know, it, it, that's the point though. It, it's I think that you just see hustle occasionally from some of these guys, and you felt like the team had a lot of heart especially in 2015 down the stretch last year when they realized that they were at least in the hunt for a playoff spot. And look, it's, it's early in the season. There's a lot of games left, but there's, there's no passion for a lot of these players. You have the, the kids who are excited to be there, but you know, it, it just makes it a chore to watch. I mean, there was a base running mistake by Reyes. The one time that Terry Collins ever does a hit and run earlier this afternoon. And of course, Reyes, well, he doesn't overrun the base. He just tries to get greedy and go to second. And he's out by a mile and a half. And it's just like, that's not playing with heart. That's again, playing stupid. And it's, it's not even selfish. It's just yeah. plain dumb. And he took the bat right out of Conforto's hands, and he had already homered today, which was just a weird play as uh, Conforto uh, grounds out to end the top of the ninth. So there you go. Uh, we may be seeing extras here, um, which just makes the bullpen even more taxed and just prolongs the misery even longer. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because uh, we're, we'll look ahead in a little bit too. the fact that they're about to play the Angels. Uh, the Angels are heading into City Field, and I remember not the last time that they played in Anaheim, but it was a couple trips ago. I think that was 2008. And, no, it was 2000, I don't know, 2008, I think it was. Yeah, they were playing the Angels here in Anaheim, and they uh, fired Willie Randolph. And uh, so I got to see Jerry Manuel's uh, first game. I actually got to see the first managerial wins for Art Howe, Willie, <laughs> Willie Randolph, and uh, and Jerry Manuel, uh, you know, not I mean, look, Willie got them, you know, in in a half inning away from the World Series. Uh, Go I give think, me on Willie. Yeah, One. but I'm just saying he had a lot. He had a lot more success than the other two. Is the point that I'm You're trying right. to make. And but those are not really the the pantheon of great Mets managers. So uh, at, at some point, as much as they like Terry Collins, it might not even be his fault. But you have to be shown to do something. And if you're not going to make moves and trades, do you think that Terry Collins has his job no matter what through the end of the season because he wants to kind of retire at the end of the year? Or if it stays, will it need to stay like this for another couple weeks? Or is there just a chance now that he could actually get fired? I think he sees the end of the year. I think he sees the end of the year, no question about it. A, because of the contract. B, because there's nobody else. You know, yeah. I can give the job to Sherlock. And. You know, as much as I love to crush Collins because he can't manage a bullpen, every guy he brings in is a dumpster fire. So there's yeah. really nothing that he could do. His in-game moves are questionable. He finally learned how to use pinch runners, which cost Wilmer Flores a season um, last year. I was yeah. there live to see it on September 10th in Atlanta. Um, he's finally utilizing pinch runners, which is a good thing. Uh, but he's going to get the end of the year because he has the built-in excuse. He has his three best guys at every position injured between Cespedes, um, Syndergaard, and Familia. So you have the built-in injury excuse. It always just seems like for this guy, who is now going to eclipse the to- uh, game's coach Mets record, it'll be the longest tenured one in a week. Um, it's There's always an excuse for him. It's always like, ah, well, they didn't really give him the tools. Uh, or, well, the injuries. It's always something. Uh, at some point, the microscope and the finger has to point at him. 
uh, because yes, he is the longest tenured Mets manager. He's way under 500 in his in his tenure. Yeah, and and the clubs have team seemed to have that swoon in the middle of the season, even the ones that did well last year and 2015. Sure, there were injuries, but. Those clubs were buoyed by a, a fast start in April in both years. This year we see just the opposite. Um, and the, the, I think the hole might be a little bit too deep for them to climb out of, especially when the Nationals are an absolute juggernaut. Yeah, I mean, this is seems to be the year that the Nats are actually putting it all together. They they have the pieces. And, you know, that, that doesn't mean that you can give up in the middle of May. And you're talking about the midseason swoon, which we've seen. We had the early May swoon, which was like, no, this is way too early for that. And look, I, I you have to give him some credit because that's legitimate that there are all those injuries. You don't think your closer, your best pitcher, and your best position player are all going to get hurt at the same time that early in the season, you know, two of which who are gone for a substantial amount of time, all three of them maybe as well. So, you know, it's very hard to put a team on the field that can win, but the guys that are there just seem like, I I don't know that there, there's no fire in the belly. Somebody wrote that in a comment on a past episode and you'd like to see it, but I don't know that that exists in the organization. I, I think you're right that Terry, there isn't really anywhere for him to go. There isn't anybody else to replace him. You might as well ride it out because what are you going to do? Pay somebody else to manage while you also pay, pay Terry to manage. And then you're going to still lose as many games. So that's just sort of the, the, you know, the narrow view. You just feel like, Oh, what can we do? And you look at that bullpen that you referenced. This is like late August form to talk about an early swoon to be this overworked and this ineffective that early. I mean, I, I don't look, I don't want to wish ill on people, but could Rafael Montero just fall down a flight of stairs and break his arm? I, you know, just enough. Like, I don't ever want to see him again. And yet there he is, you know, just the other day. It was like, well, you know, we'll just we'll just have him clean things up. And I think I don't know exactly what his ethnic background is, but I think Montero does translate into dumpster fire, as you alluded to. <laughs> Uh, well, he he's like a cat with like twelve lives, not uh, even nine, because the guy he just keeps showing up. He's just yeah. like the, the the bug that you think you squished, and he just runs away, and he's still there. Um, but you know, the thing with the bullpen that really irks me is that this is a bullpen that all industry insiders thought Familia would be missing from for fifty games for suspension for domestic violence. The Mets chose to not make a move. It was surprising that he only got fifteen games. So yeah. they thought they were going to be missing him for a third of the season, and they thought they would piece it together. Now they are going to be missing him for that chunk of the season, which was expected to begin with, Whether though, yes, it is by injury, not by suspension. And the, the, the front office did nothing. They thought they'd piece it together. You also have 60 to 80% of your starting rotation coming off injury and a club mandate to pull the pitchers early and protect those pitchers and protect their innings and protect their arms, but you didn't build the bullpen to, um, to, to counteract that. You didn't build a bullpen. There were times when they were still carrying eight pitchers and they're winning games by five runs and still using five pitchers. You can't do that. Yeah. No, I mean, that's not a recipe for long-term success. And clearly that's what happened. They were actually playing pretty well for a while there. You know, they even going back just a couple of weeks, they were winning a bunch of series. They would lose the, you know, the third game in a very disappointing fashion, but they were still winning. And now it's just like, you literally see, warts and all what the problem is with this team. And I think that, look, you didn't need to necessarily sign a closer because you had Addison Reed, but you had to shore up the bullpen. I I was not a fan of Tyler Clippard's tenure with the ball club, 
But you need a guy like that. You know, you need somebody who is an effective Tyler Clippard, which is probably what every, you know, 30 teams in baseball would probably like an effective Tyler Clippard, like a great seventh inning guy who can sometimes pitch the eighth or whatever. And uh, they just haven't had, I don't know how much Hansel Robles I've had to see. And he, he's not even a bad pitcher all the time. It's just, he works so much, like you're saying. And I, I don't know. It's, uh, well, it, it's so disappointing to watch. And speaking of disappointing, let's talk a little bit about some of the games since our last show. Uh, the uh, season against the series against the Giants, they actually won. Those were a couple of good games. There was a game where uh, Wheeler won. Uh, that Wednesday game, that that was rough. That Wednesday afternoon last week, the tenth. I mean, that was like the the Giants getting four runs in the top of the ninth. You know, I mean, that was just. That was when we knew something was wrong with Familia. And, you know, I don't know why he pitched with a five-run lead the night before. They said that in the broadcast. But it was like the score of that game, the way that they lost that game, it's kind of insignificant if you go on the road and you have even a decent 500 road trip. But it's been so bad ever since. You know, it's like the middle of that game onward. It's just been... It's just been like, you know, bizarro Mets season, and it's just been so bad. And you had the great misfortune to watch some terrible baseball in Milwaukee, which is a ballpark that I love, Miller Park, by the way. Was that the first time you'd ever been there? I was the first trip out to Miller Park, brought my whole family, my wife, and both kids. Uh, we were actually at the Monday game that they won on a walker, uh, walk-off hit, also uh, against the Giants, so we were riding high. Sure, we have the familiar blown save on the Wednesday, but, you know, you win the series. I also didn't like Terry's in-game moves there using Conforto with, with nobody on base. I didn't like letting Ploiecki hit to end the game instead of Rivera, who, unbeknownst to everybody, is actually red hot now with a 10-game yeah. hit streak. Uh, but, yeah, Milwaukee, that was our first trip. And just as we all predicted in the offseason, I'd go there, and what would I be talking about with the fans? Matt Harvey's page six article about, uh, <laughs> you know, his mental breakdown and not showing up in his suspension and his yeah. ERA of five and a half. You know, you can't, it, you know, that's what everybody wanted to hear about. Every Brewer fan, what's up with this guy? Didn't he start the, he started game, you know, game World Series game, the ninth inning, he started the All-Star game, yeah. what's up with this? And they started asking me about tabloid uh, tabloid stories instead of yeah. about, you know, whip and ERA. Wait, 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 just, yeah, what did he put in that locker? No, I, I know it is. And by the way, Milwaukee, that's like the most fun outside the ballpark because everybody's tailgating like it's a Packers game. And I don't know, just that was so much fun. Like, you know, you used to get a little bit of that at Chase Stadium when I was younger, but you really don't see it on that scale. You know, people are there all day like they are for football. And I don't know, I, I think that that just makes for such a it's a great environment. People are so invested. And you want to talk about fans that haven't had a lot to cheer about in their team's existence. You know, the yeah. Milwaukee Brewers. So, you know, and yeah, that's a fun group of people to get to visit with. Now, uh, you obviously got to talk about all that stuff. Now, did you go to the Friday and Saturday games? Which games did you go to in Milwaukee? We went to the Friday and Saturday Saturday night games. We were actually spending the weekend in Chicago, and we just drove up for oh, okay. the game. About 90 minutes, very similar to New York to Philly. I don't know what the California equivalent of that would be. But uh, it's about a 90-minute drive. Once you get out of Chicago, it's a straight shot. Um, and we saw the Friday night game, which was entertaining. Harvey got knocked around a little bit. There were some homers, and then they blew it. Uh, and then Saturday, Gazelman was just a disaster. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, my kids were happy. They were brotting it up, eating the brats. They were eating some uh, cheese curds. So, they, you know, they, and they almost expect it. They're, sadly, these 
poor children, five and, and seven years old, are like, ah, yeah, we know the Mets aren't very good, but yeah. we love them. It's like, oh, these poor kids. Well, you know, when you get to go to Miller Park, you, of course, get the sausage race, which there's a lot of other races, but the sausage race is like the race. And I, I don't know. I love that. I love that ballpark. I love everything about just sort of taking in a game there. And yeah, your kids have already, you know, lived through enough uh, frustration and aggravation. Uh, I've talked about this on the show. I talked about it actually the very first installment of Mets Rap 360, which was just over a year ago. And we talked about the fact that my son Felix was born uh, July 26, 2015. So he was born the week of the the Wilmer not traded, traded thing and signing Cespedes and that run all the way to the World Series. So I, you know, going into the World Series, I was just like, oh, well, you know, Felix was a good look charm. Finally, he's going to know like real great Mets success. And look, they got to the World Series. So that part was good. But, uh, you know, he's also he's not even two yet. Uh, but yeah. I think I told you this when I talked to you. We talked once uh, before this for the sake of our audience, just letting them know. I the only baseball game Felix has ever been to Bartolo Colon hit a home run. So he's going to have to expect that that sort of crazy happenstance whenever he goes. Yeah, maybe you can have another kid. So the Mets can go on another streak. <laughs> that, that might be what it takes. So, you know, what? I'll have to uh, text my wife. But uh, and we have a, a picture of this from your Instagram. If we're able to bring it up, it was in the first email that I sent. Uh, and uh, I guess was it a foul ball or a home run? What what happened? Uh, your son actually got a, or did Conforto toss him a ball? Am I remembering that correctly? He actually uh, Conforto tossed him a ball, and then later, due to toss my other son a ball, he was all jacked up. Conforto tossed him the final out of the first inning, uh, which was great because he loves Conforto. And then his favorite player, Duda, uh, threw him a ball. It was a strange play on Friday night. It was a strike him out, throw him out. Um, I don't remember. Actually, it was the same player who made both outs on the Brewers. But uh, it was a strike him out, throw him out. So we got two game balls from then. That was nice. They were all jacked up about that. Now my son thinks that's going to happen every game. Which oh, is yeah, thing. of course. <laughs> yeah, which is definitely a rough thing to have to back up. But uh, actually, my youngest son, you were talking about Mets moments. My youngest son is named Carter. Um, he was born very close to when uh, Gary, the kid, passed. And we didn't have any names. So we're on our way to the hospital. And, of course, as my wife is in labor, I have the, the New York sports radio on because that's the kind of person I am. Sure. And, and uh, they're talking about Gary Carter and his health deteriorating. And as my wife is breathing through contractions, she's saying, Car- Carter's a nice name. And that's how that happened. <laughs> I like that that it was her and, you know, you didn't take moment, you know, take advantage of her moment of weakness, you know, the epidural flowing through her. And you're like, how about Carter? You know, and then. Yeah. 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 And yeah. He is definitely Carter. He actually is on the Mets. They're playing right now. I had to miss his game, but it's worth it for your show. Oh, um, wow. Well, and- I, I hope that uh, I hope that uh, he understands that, uh, you know, yeah. he that- gets it. He's rocking his number eight, just like Gary. Oh, I he love that. To- oh, that's great. He's- he loves it, but uh, you know they've they've seen Milwaukee, they've seen Philly, they've seen Washington. They saw Washington that game where they gave up twenty some odd runs. I think we spoke Whew. right before that weekend. Yeah, we did. Uh, Thor got hurt, which was a nice, really nice long ride home. And then they've seen St. Louis too. Um, I love getting around, seeing all the different ballparks. It's really awesome. You get to try the food, you get to talk to the fans, you get to see the cities. It's really it's really nice thing and i would encourage as many people as possible to do yeah it. i've done a few of those trips uh an old roommate of mine god it was 15 years ago now in 2002 we did a, a ballpark tour of the midwest i caught the mets a couple times but you know just you go into a ballpark and you talk to the fans you just learn a lot about the people in a city just by sitting there and hanging out and you know it's i don't know it, it is a great 
way to actually get a sense for what it's like you know, to be a pirate fan or a tiger. And the, the year that I was there, 2002, the, the Tigers were on a clip. I think they were, they almost lost 120 games, but uh, they managed to pull it together at the end and not. So it was like one of those kind of years. So, you know, it's, it's fun to uh, get to talk to people like that. And you said you're going to Texas this year. And is there another one you're planning on heading to? Yeah, I'm going to Texas in uh, two weeks, two or three weeks, whenever the Mets are there, and then Seattle in July. Uh, I've seen some great moments. I saw Glavin's 300 at Wrigley Field. It was Sunday night baseball. Oh, nice. Uh, I saw the Mets clinch, and I actually got doused in champagne. I was just going to tweet the video to your account, so maybe you guys can pull it up. I got was in the front row to see the Mets clinch uh, the division in 2015, and actually uh, Darno flipped the ball up into the stands, the last out, uh, Familia strikeout, and I caught it. Uh, tried to give it back to the club, uh, went through some back channels and reached out to the Mets media relations, got the ball back to the club uh, when other people would probably try to keep it or try to hold it for ransom. I got yeah. it back to him because I didn't do anything. It's theirs. <laughs> uh, but that was a fun one in Cincinnati. Actually, we got to hang out with a couple of players after the game that were out celebrating the, the division championship. But uh, I, Terry Collins came out and showered us with champagne. The fans, I was front row for it, hit me right in the face. I, it was it was fantastic. It was uh Definitely a surreal moment. But for a trip that was just, we didn't go for the division. It just happened to be booked, um, and it worked out that way, which was great. Yeah, we uh, had some uh, celebratory moments at home when that happened. My son was like two months old, and uh, we were in front of the TV. But uh, that was a great moment. Yeah, and just uh, just tweet it at us, and uh, we'll retweet it from at ABTV Met. So if people want to see it, make sure you follow us there. Uh, look, this uh, series in Arizona which is a place where they usually play so well. They usually beat up on the D-backs. D-backs are having a good year somehow, despite the fact that, you know, I mean, if you look at Zach Greinke's ERA, you're like, well, how could they possibly be winning? But, uh, you know, you you feel like it's just not a good year for the Mets. If they're going to go in to Phoenix and they're going to play this badly, it's just like, man, this is the place they always play well. So, you know, to give up six runs in the bottom of the eighth is like infuriating as that is. It's so much more telling than just that. You're just like this. This is this is going to be a rough one. Uh, you know, it's not going to be a great season. I don't think there's any real way to save it, except, of course, as we talk about a lot on the show, uh, the great broadcasting team that the Mets have, both on the TV and the radio side. So, it, it, you know, you can kind of still at least they're in there with you. You know, you have Gary, Keith and Ron on TV and I love Howie Rose on the radio. But, uh, you know, this. uh yeah, these games in, in Phoenix, you just you just watch them. And, uh, you know, this is one of those ballparks I've always wanted to see the Mets. I'm so glad that these games were during the week because if it had been a weekend, this might have been the year I tried to go. And that would have been my luck that I would have gone to the game, you know, where they give up six runs in the bottom of the eighth. So, <laughs> uh, Arizona's nice. It's cool. It's like a big airplane hangar. I saw John Maine throw a gem there. You spin a gem there years ago. I think it might have been 07 or 08. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. Um, but, yeah, it's just – you know, it's not a very endearing club. Um, you know, you used to get excited to watch Harvey. Now it's like, how bad is he going to be? I think they know that's a high fly ball to center field in the bottom of the 10th here. Uh, I think that you, you know, how bad could Harvey be? You know, maybe you tune in to watch the Grom, but you don't want to see Gazelman. Thor's not there. There's no real storylines in the lineup. You might like to watch Conforto, but what are you tuning in to watch this team for? It's just very – and attendance has um, reflected that. The Mets are uh, number 17 in the MLB in attendance uh, so far through the season. This year, this time last year, they were number 10. 
um, which is, and they're behind teams that they shouldn't be behind. Um, and sure, the two Sunday night games hurt attendance, but that's it's it's also counting tickets sold. So people aren't even buying the tickets to go. So um, I'm a little nervous about the attendance the rest of the way. I think it could become a ghost town because if people weren't going at the beginning of the season when the tickets for, were very cheap, uh, as the ticket prices increase over the summer. Why, what's going to draw people to the park? Is it going to be a bobblehead? Uh, sure, that's one day out of a week. Um, but what yeah. you know, what is going to bring people to the park? There is no compelling storyline for you to come and come and watch and see. Yeah, no, I know, and I mean, and that obviously also will reflect to you know, I mean, the TV ratings isn't necessarily something we have to worry about, but it's just you know, the overall performance of the club really does impact that. And you never know where they might start looking to cut costs, you know, maybe like, you know what, maybe just Ron goes on that trip. You know, they start trying to cut corners on that. If people are not that invested in the team and look, it's not, it's not about to get that much easier, by the way, you know, I mentioned that the angels are coming into city field and uh, that's always frustrating because that means that the uh, the SNY broadcaster blacked out for me here. So I have to watch the uh, the Angels broadcast. You know, you don't get too many of those when you live out here. You usually have like two series against the Dodgers. And that was all right when you had Vince Scully. But, uh, you know, so you have that. And then uh, they're going to play the Padres, which, God, if they can't win a series against the Padres, I might have to just, I don't know what I would do. I, you know, maybe stab my eyes out. That seems a little drastic. Uh, they're going to play the Pirates, which is another great ballpark that I like. And the reason why I'm just sort of flying through this is because eventually the Brewers at the end of the month are going to be at City Field. And I want to address one sort of final thing here in our last few minutes about that series, which is the bat flip by Manny Pena on uh, Mother's Day, where, first of all, I had to look at the worst uniforms I've ever seen. Uh, look, I, I'm all in favor of supporting breast cancer and having awareness the pink bats i understood but those pink uniforms i was just like are you kidding me with those this is the, one of the worst things i've ever seen and i've seen snuff films and i don't know i just feel like it, it was it was pretty awful but then of course the worst thing you see is that bat flip that was let's let's be honest that was not really a game winning situation where you you know i think jose bautista saw that bat flip and was like dude calm down a little bit I, look, if the guy's pumped up and the guy's excited, you got to let it happen. I don't think it was for you know showing up purposes. If the Mets want to do something about it, how about you win the game? How about sure? You let- oh yeah, no. But at the same time, you know, it's something to look forward to at the end of the month they'll, because I, you know, I he, he's you know, the Mets will never they'll never retaliate. They'll never do anything. Maybe they'll throw behind somebody like Utley. Yeah. Uh, how about you just get the guy out? How about well, you just do? Have a you know? And you you mentioned about the record, how it's not going to get any easier. The Mets, of all 30 MLB teams, they have had the softest schedule to open the season in terms of winning percentage of anybody, and look where it's brought them. I'm yeah. terrified to see once they start actually seeing teams that, A, are out of division, and B, are, are supposed to be pretty good. It could get real ugly here. Yeah, no, I think we're definitely in danger of that. And, you know, in late June, I think June 20th, they're going to be here at Dodger Stadium. I already have tickets to the the Monday game. And I did not expect when I got those tickets for Christmas that I would be going to see a team that could very easily be well more than 10 games out of first place, 10 games under 500. I mean, it's it's a pretty bad team. I wonder what that team will look like at that point. I'm, I'm still going to go. I'll still be excited. 
And, you know, I'll definitely be on the receiving end of a, a lot of banter, <laughs> depending on the way the team plays. But, uh, you know, at some point, I think by late June, we'll kind of know if they are going to be sellers of any parts that they feel like they can actually move. You know, maybe you do move Addison Reed. Maybe somebody wants him. You know, there are definitely things. I think you're right about the, the young starting pitchers. You know, first of all, you've got some of them injured. Matt Harvey has no trade value, no matter what anybody says, no matter how upset people were. And they're like, oh, you have to trade Harvey. To who? Who wants Matt Harvey this year? Nobody wants Matt Harvey this year, you know? Uh, so you're kind of stuck with what you have, but anybody who is kicking the tires on stuff that you might be interested in, I, I think you got to listen if it stays like this and God only knows what I'll be looking at in, in June, Chris, but, uh, you, so you have uh, season tickets. So do you actually, how many games do you go to like every week or so every homestand or how do you usually do it? I do it by matchup. I sell everything and then whatever I want yeah. to do, I change into other games. Uh, I think I'm taking my children uh, this weekend on Saturday, uh, and then I'm going for a this all-you-can-eat-all-you-can-drink thing, which I'll never miss next Wednesday against the <laughs> Padres. The only way that I would get out there for a Padres game. But um, one of the things that you mentioned about it, they have a lot of expiring contracts, so they might have pieces to move. If Walker's playing well, even if Cabrera's playing well, those are two guys that aren't in the long-term plans. They'll get rid of them. If Duda's playing well, look for him to get moved because they have their income. They have Dominic Smith. They have his replacement ready to go at any time that they want to yeah. call him up. He's MLB ready. Uh, Addison Reed, like you said, is his final year of arbitration, so he's another guy that you can dump and you can get rid of uh, and get some money off. If Granderson comes out of this, he's a guy maybe for some leadership if somebody needs a fourth outfielder or a left-handed power bat in a small park, that's somebody that you could see getting rid of. But um, the thing is, they're kind of roster-locked right now. They don't have many different ways to turn. That's it's, it's They're kind of like in their own straitjacket because they've made this club that doesn't that was supposed to be versatile and was supposed to be able to withstand any kind of injury problem, and it, it hasn't worked out. Yeah, no, and I think that kind of puts a button on it, that it just hasn't worked out. You know, here on the show, we always try and isolate player of the week, and it's very hard. But uh, for me personally, I will continue to be excited about Conforto. He's a very exciting player. You know, I was sitting with the seven line at uh, World Series uh, Game 4 at City Field. I did almost call it Shea Stadium, which would be some kind of fine if you know, I was a professional broadcaster uh, and, you know, he's just a player that I've always been excited about, very disappointed about last year. So he's a guy that I have to look forward to. Uh, Chris, as, as you sort of assess the team, the way they're playing right now, it doesn't even have to be a player of the week. Is there somebody that you're still able to be excited about that you still enjoy when they come up to the plate or maybe you enjoy watching DeGrom pitch? Uh, is there somebody, if you can isolate one player on the Mets that you're still excited about, who is it? I do like watching DeGrom pitch. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this because I have his over in Vegas of uh, 11 and a half wins. <laughs> so I'm not even know if I'm supposed to say that. But Oh, you, you can know, certainly say that. Yeah, it's only like the NFL network that worries about gambling, you know. So don't I almost – I know this sounds silly. I love T.J. Rivera. I love the, his, his gap-to-gap hitting. I love his contact approach. I love that he's from the Bronx. I love that yeah. uh, he comes up to a song that makes my head bop. And if that's the one thing that gets me to watch the team and it's T.J. Rivera or Conforto, that's pretty much what's kind of – holding me on you right know, now is T.J. Melissa, who's usually here with me, also loves T.J. Rivera. So you see, there, so you're in good company there. Well, Chris, look, I really appreciate you taking time out of your afternoon. Sorry uh, to your son, though, that you, you missed his game, I, but uh, I, I'm, I'm sure you'll be there for, for all the other ones uh, throughout the season. Uh, so that's uh, Chris the Teacher from Sam Roberts' show. Uh, at the Teacher Chris, 
Uh, Chris, thank you so much. I look forward to talking to you again down the road. Yes, Christian, and keep your eyes open for more packages. They're coming. Oh, boy. All right. Yeah, well, thanks. And as I mentioned, he sent some great stuff to me. Anyway, so uh, thanks so much to Chris. Uh, That was really great, getting a chance to talk to him. And thanks to our pal Kevin Undergaro for putting me in touch with him. Uh, So anyway, as we always make sure that everybody knows, uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter, at ABTVMets. You can follow me personally, at ChristianDMZ. Just keep an eye right there, you know, on for what's going on. We have some exciting things to let everybody know about in terms of baseball coverage here at AfterBuzz. So uh, keep your eyes peeled. Please follow us. And thanks so much to everybody who watches and joins us in the chat. Thanks to Melissa. Thanks to Andrea Fasano. And, of course, today's guest, Chris the Teacher, uh, for joining us. Anyway, we'll uh, see you all soon here on AfterBuzz TV, and let's go Mets. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.